We're continuing our series on rebuilding. Um, For the last uh, four weeks, we have been studying the book of Nehemiah. We've been talking about Nehemiah's call where God came to him and said, hey, I have a job for you to do. Um, The city walls of Jerusalem had been broken down and destroyed. The people had all been carried off into exile and been living in another country. And the Spirit of God came to Nehemiah and said, hey, I have a job for you. I have something that I want to do. I'm not done with you. I haven't written off my people. I haven't written off this time. I am going to use you to rebuild something that was broken. And it's just been a great series as we have been talking about what is God rebuilding in us? What does God want to look at our lives and say, hey, I know that that thing looks really broken down without hope. I know that that thing looks like a big pile of rubble, but I'm not done with you yet. I have a plan to come in and to rebuild the thing that you think is broken beyond repair. And it's just been so encouraging to me to just First of all, remind myself that God doesn't leave broken things broken. He doesn't just look at our piles of mess and our homes and our families and our situations and our work and our dreams and our health and all the things that we look at that look like, wow, this is a big pile of rubble. God doesn't just look at that and say, well, that one looks like too big of a job. That's not the way God works. He looks at our piles of mess and he says, all right, here I come. I'm not done with you yet. I have a plan, and I'm going to rebuild something. And that first week when Jeff spoke on Nehemiah, he asked all of us a question. He said, what does God want to rebuild in you? And I have my trusty notebook. I always sit up here, and I always like to write notes because it's always good for me to go back and look. Because that morning, I remember feeling very emotional. I'm, I'm kind of a big, like, I like to introspect. Anybody like to just kind of journal and look? I love to be introspective. And so I just, all of a sudden, I started writing, like, God, what do you want to rebuild in me? And it's always good to kind of crack open your heart a little bit and go, what are the, what are the things that are broken down a little bit? What are some of the places that I... I need some rebuilding. Maybe you've come through a rough season and you're like, whew, we kind of are coming out of that. We've made it through that. We, We survived that. But looking at the wreckage from what all that damage did, it's time to look and go, okay, well, what needs to be rebuilt here? And so I made a big list in my journal that week when Jeff asked, what does God want to rebuild in you? One of the things that I wrote was dreams. There were some things that I have had dreams in my heart of things that I've wanted to do, things that I wanted to accomplish, things that I've wanted to write, things that I've wanted to do, some dreams when it comes to my work and my job, things that I've had in my mind for a really long time and as time has gone on and discouragement has come and opportunities haven't panned out the way I thought they would, I've noticed that there's a, there's a pile of rubble when it comes to some dreams that I have. And I began to pray, God, will you rebuild that in me? I know that that's still something I think you have for me. So could you begin to brick by brick show me what it means to rebuild some of those things that I had kind of given up on and thought, well, maybe that was, maybe that's just never going to happen. That's the first thing I wrote was some dreams. Um, I wrote a couple things about my marriage and my home. The longer you're married, if you've been married two days or if you've been married 50 years, I think there are places in your marriage that you can say, God, could you rebuild this? There's, here's a little crack. I see a little broken, broken place here. Something maybe, maybe you've come out of a season of something really tough with your kids or something in your marriage, and you're going, you know what? Okay, we've made it through, but there's some rubble here. 
that needs to be rebuilt. So maybe that was one of the things that I wrote. There were things that I wrote down for my kids and my children, things that I'm like, Lord, I see this, something I'm asking you to rebuild in them. How can I be a part of that? What do you want me to do? What steps do you want me to go into place to rebuild some things I'm seeing in them? One of the things I put in there was confidence. And maybe I'm the only one in the room, but man, when I was like, 18. I was like, I got this. I got this. Now at 42, I'm kind of like, I don't know. I'm feeling a little like maybe I put myself out there. I found my confidence wavering as I've gotten older. And I think that because we experience some real life and know that sometimes things don't always work out the way you think. But I've recognized, Lord, I want you to rebuild some confidence in me in some areas that I used to be bold and brave that now I'm feeling a little insecure and nervous. So there are things that God wants to rebuild in me. What did you write? What did you think of that morning when he said, what does God want to rebuild in you? What was on your list? That's really important that you begin to ask yourself that question. God, what do you want to rebuild? And then the second week, Jeff talked about how Nehemiah got his marching orders for how God was going to do this work through prayer. And this is really important as we continue talking today because you have to know what God is speaking to you about what he wants to rebuild. Nehemiah went to God and he got very distinct orders about how God was going to do the work in him. And so we talked about how important it is that we spend time in prayer and that we are listening and we hear God say, okay, here's what I want to rebuild and here's how I'm going to do it. And then we talked about just starting, about not just having a great idea, but to actually get to work. Nehemiah, he just gathered the people and he went back and he just got to work. They gathered around and they began the hard work of just brick by brick rebuilding the walls of the city. And then last week, Jeff talked about opposition. So the people began to build the wall, and all of a sudden, their enemies came and said, hey, 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 we don't like this idea. We don't like the idea that you're building up your wall, because they were vulnerable when their walls were broken down. And so their enemies came, and they began to actively fight against them. And we read the scripture that said that the people began to work with one hand on their swords and one hand on the work, which I find that that would probably be challenging. But that's how they began to work, because There was an enemy who was actively coming after them to try and stop the work. And it says that they worked day and night. They would take turns. Some people would be watching while others worked, and then the others would go on guard. And it says they worked day and night, and they were in that active opposition phase. So today, we are going to look at Nehemiah chapter 6. If you want to find it, I have the hardest time finding Nehemiah in my Bible. I feel like every time. It's before Psalms. Feels like it should be after Psalms, but it's not. It's before Psalms. So if you want to turn to Nehemiah chapter 6, we're going to be talking about some more opposition that comes today, but it comes in a little bit of a different way than what we discussed last week. When we look at Nehemiah chapter 6, they are almost done rebuilding the wall. Actually, when you read the whole story, it's 52 days total from the time they start rebuilding to the time that the, re- the wall is completely finished. So we're talking 52 days. So we're probably like right at the end here. They are almost done in Nehemiah chapter 6. It says even that the walls have been completed. All that's left to do is to fix the gates and the doors. So they are almost safe. They've almost rebuilt everything, but they are just at the end. But we learn that their enemies have not given up. So let's read Read starting in verse 1 in Nehemiah chapter 6. It says, Sambalot, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall and that no gaps remained, though we had not yet set up the doors and the gates. So Sanbalat and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet them at one of the villages in the plain of Ono. 
but I realized they were plotting to harm me. So I replied by sending them this message. I am engaged in a great work, so I cannot come. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? Four times they sent the same message, and each time I gave the reply, the same reply. I find this fascinating, that their enemies kept coming at them. Now, what we learned about in Nehemiah 4 last week was the initial opposition that came was, I'm going to call it in-your-face opposition. It was like the guy is standing there with a sword, and we are like in your face. We are going to stop you. Um, they, they are saying, you are never going to get this done. We are going to come in. We are going to stop you. You should stop. It is in-your-face opposition. Now, in my experience, I think there's an adrenaline that comes with in-your-face opposition. I don't know about you, but in the Kerr house, if somebody tells us we can't do something, we get a little, spa- a little spicy. We get a little sassy, like, oh, really? You're going to stop me? Okay, right? Who's like that? Like, somebody tells you you can't do something, you're like, well, let's just see how that goes. So I think this initial opposition that came to them in, uh, was this in-your-face opposition. They were all like, oh, no, no, no. Uh-uh. You're not going to come, and you're not going to come at us with swords. They were all like... There's this adrenaline that comes when someone gets in your face and says, I'm going to stop you. And you can see that. They all got to work. They're like, fine, I'll just stand here with my hand on my sword and I'll keep working. You just watch me keep going on this wall even when you're trying to stop me. It seems like in-your-face opposition comes right away. It seems to come and there's something in it that we all kind of rise up and begin to fight. But what we're looking at today is a different kind of opposition. Instead of physically trying to stop them, this is where they come with a little bit of what I'm going to call mind game opposition. Instead of standing there with a sword, they realize, okay, we haven't been able to physically pull these people away. We haven't been able to fight them to stop. It seems to have dug their heels in a little bit more with resolve. So they decided to come at Nehemiah a little bit differently. This is a a mind game kind of opposition. And this, I think, happens to all of us, right? When we've been working on something, when you start something, when God says, hey, I have this thing for you, that first week in my journal when I wrote, what does God want to rebuild? Man, I was ready, like, okay, yes, Lord, all of these things. There's, There's that excitement when we know what God is calling us to do. There's that little bit of adrenaline that comes up. And then you start working for a while, and you start working for a while, and maybe things don't go as quickly as you thought, and maybe there's a lot of opposition. And if we look at where the people are at this point, they've been working hard day and night for a lot of days, probably at least a month by now. And my guess is that they're tired. They're tired from working. They've been working and working. And I think for a lot of us, when we first start, we're excited. And then we get along the process a little bit. And we start to get a little weary. We start to get a little worn out. We start to be physically tired and emotionally tired. And not only that, how many of you, when you're, like, ready to be done with a project, it just seems like the worst possible thing, right? You finished a basement, and all that's left is, like, the trim. We're talking about trim kind of stuff today. And you're just kind of like... Maybe we'll just leave the trim forever, right? How many of you have a room with no trim on it? Yes, okay, thank you for all of those hands this morning. Yes, because the initial excitement of getting it done starts to wane and you're tired. You desperately want to be done. You want to see the work complete. 
This is where I believe the enemy gets creative in how he comes at us to try us and to stop us from completing the work. Our excitement has dwindled, and now you are in the nuts and bolts of rebuilding something. And that's when it gets hard. And that's when a lot of people fall away and a lot of people give up is in that moment. This is where your resolve to finish the work will be tested more than any other time. I know it seems like the guy standing there with the sword might be the hardest time that you might be tested, but I really believe it's more towards the end when those subtle things come to try and pull you away from the work. So Nehemiah's enemies decided that if they couldn't muscle him away from the work, that they would try and lure him away from the work. So we're going to look today at a couple ways that they tried to stop the rebuilding in the same way I think that the enemy comes and tries to stop the rebuilding process in us as well. The first thing that he uses is distraction. He comes at us with distraction. So let's look again at Nehemiah 6. Let's look at verse 2. It says, So Sanballat and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet them at one of the villages in the plain of Ono. So they send him a message and say, Hey, could you just come and meet with us? Let's just talk about what's going on. I know we've been enemies. So they call him and ask him to meet. Now the village of Ono, that was 27 miles outside of the city gates. So they were trying to get him to leave the work and to walk away and to just, hey, let's just go. We'll just, we're just going to talk about it. They were trying to distract him from the work. They were thinking, if we can't stop him, maybe we can just distract him. Maybe we can just kind of pull him away from what he was doing. And the same thing happens to us. I think the enemy likes to lure us and entice us into distraction. We get that excitement at the beginning, and then as we go along, pretty soon we're like um, Doug in Up, the little dog, where all of a sudden he's doing something and he goes, squirrel! You know that movie that's like your favorite? You're, you're right in. I'm going to do this. And then something comes along and we get distracted. And we start thinking, oh, I'm going to work on this instead. Um, I'm a creative type. And a few years ago, a buddy of mine who is a video producer said, oh, Christy, I have found the, my new favorite website. It's called The 99%. And it was a website for creative people. And it was based on, their whole idea was based on the Franklin, um, Benjamin Franklin quote that genius is 1% inspiration and 99% perspiration. So this was a blog and a website for creative people to help them finish projects. <laughs> I thought, oh, this is a good idea. And as I started to read articles, it talked over and over again. And I remember just looking at this article that had this big bell curve of when you get an idea, a creative person or anybody, when you get a new idea, if I'm going to do this thing, there's this high that comes. And so we start working really hard and we're really excited about it. And then as you go, you have to get down to the 99% of the work that's hard and boring and nobody's there and you get no reward and you're just plugging away and you're just hammering in nails and you're just doing all the little things. And what happens for a lot of us is we, that, that, that excitement starts to wane and instead of digging in and finishing the work, we decide, I think I'm going to find a new idea. And so uh, this blog was talking about for a lot of creative people, that's why we start a lot of projects and we don't finish because we get a little bit that starts to wane a little bit. And then all of a sudden we'll go, oh, I have a new idea. I know Don is laughing because I know you have a warehouse full of new ideas. Yes, we all do this. So we just think, oh, this is so hard. And so we don't finish. We just keep starting new things. And then we start new things and we start new things instead of walking out that 99% of hard work. And I think for a lot of us, we are like 
like Nehemiah's enemies. We have people coming and trying to distract us, and it might even just be ourselves. And God is saying, hey, hey, this is your job right now. I've given you something to do. This is what I want you to do. And yet, after that initial excitement wears off, the hard work sets in. And because we don't like the hard work and we don't like the opposition and the enemy is coming at us, it's much easier to just get distracted by something new and something different. And yet I love Nia's response to them in verse, chapter, verse 3. He says, I replied by sending this message to them. I am engaged in a great work, so I cannot come. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? I love that his response is just so simple. Hey, I can't come. This is what I'm doing right now. I'm busy, is basically his response. He didn't take the bait. He just said, this is what God has called me to do, and I'm going to stay at my post. I'm going to keep working at this thing until God releases me and says, okay, you're done. He was not lured away. Now, some of you know exactly what God has called you to do. And it seems like everything else in the world is trying to lure you away from that thing. Some of you know very clearly that God is saying, hey, this is a season that I want you to be focused on family. Or I want you to be focused on this project. Or I want you to be focused on this issue. Or I've asked you to serve in this area. And you know very clearly what God is wanting to rebuild. And yet you keep allowing yourself to get distracted and pulled by something new or something different. Or when the opposition comes and it gets hard, it's easier to just look for something new and different instead of engaging in the hard. But I love that Nehemiah said, no, I am engaged in this great work, so I cannot come. I cannot come. He did not give in to the distraction. We have to have the courage to say, this is what I'm doing right now. I'm sorry, I can't volunteer to help you with this. I really wish I could because right now, this is what God is asking of me. I'm sorry, boss, I would love to work those extra hours right now. But right now, my family really needs me. And so I'm sorry, I cannot come. This is the work of my hand right now. I can't start this new idea, even though it seems really great, because I haven't finished this one first that God has called me to do. Um, I was sharing at a women's conference a few weeks ago, and I did a, a, a breakout session for moms. And I, I woke up in the morning, and I felt very strongly to share this first. And so I kind of shared this idea with the women who were there about this is what I'm doing. And whatever God has asked you to do, do it well and do it diligently. And after I was done, I had women standing in line. And it was, it was so funny to me because the very first one that was standing there waiting came to me and said, I was so glad to hear that, to stick with what God has asked me to do because after a season of working, I have just felt like God has said it's time for you to just be at home and be, be keyed in with your kids and to do some things at home. And, and she was saying, I was feeling so guilty, like I was, miss, you know, maybe, maybe this wasn't the right thing. But I finally realized, no, this is what God is asking me to do right now. And then the very next person standing next to me says, I've been home with my kids. And I feel like God is calling me to go and engage back in my career and to go back to work. And I've been feeling so guilty, like maybe I shouldn't. And I was, I was standing there going, well, how easy is it to be distracted? Because it could, they were the exact opposite of each other. So today, what is God asking of you? Whatever that is, don't compare to anybody else. Don't get distracted by what everybody else might be thinking. If God has called you to serve well in your career right now, do it well. And say, this is the work that I am engaged in. And be confident in what God is asking you to do. Whatever that might be. That's why it's so important that we remain in prayer, like Jeff talked about, that we know what God is saying. 
Be faithful. Don't get distracted by all of the other things. Keep at work with what God has asked you to do. So the first way they tried to distract, they tried to distract him. The second way that his enemies came after Nehemiah was number two, they came after him with deception. So we're going to read a little further down in Nehemiah 6, starting in, in verse 10. He said, Later, I went to visit Shemaiah, son of Deliah, and grandson of Mehetabel, who was confined to his home. He said, Let us meet together inside the temple of God and bolt the doors shut. Your enemies are coming to kill you tonight. But I replied, Should someone in my position run from danger? Should someone in my position enter the temple to save his life? No, I won't do it. Then I realized that God had not spoken to him, but they had that he had uttered this prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. They were hoping to intimidate me and make me sin. Then they would be able to accuse and discredit me. Okay, so this is very interesting. So first he has them try and lure them away. Then he has someone come to them and basically say, hey, God told me that this is what you should do. They kind of pulled the like, major trump card of God said. And they came to him and said, this is what you should do. I, I'm speaking here with great wisdom. And how many of you know, when you are called to a work, everyone is going to have an opinion about how you should complete that work, right? I love it. Everybody has an idea of how you should go about that. Um, there will be no shortage of advice from all kinds of others as to how you should complete your work. And you know what the truth is? People will have very good intentions. People will, will think, you know, I'm just trying to help. Don't you think maybe you should just try something different? Seems like maybe this isn't working. You know, someone might come to you and say, you know what? You've been really working hard on your marriage a long time. You know what? You've given it a really good shot. Maybe it's just time to be done. Maybe it's just time to move on. You know what? You've, 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 maybe, maybe you should just be done. Maybe someone will say, hey, you know what, I know, I know that seemed like a really great idea, but I don't know, it just seems like there's been a lot of opposition. Don't you think that maybe if this is what God had for you, it would have been a little easier? And people will come, and again, when we talk about deception, I honestly don't believe that people are out and out trying to deceive us. But I think the enemy will use other people's opinions to try and move us off target of what God has asked us to do. Because we start to think, well, yeah, maybe. Maybe they're right. Maybe I should, maybe I should just give up. Maybe I should just let this go. Maybe, this, maybe God doesn't really want to rebuild that. There will always be people who will say things that will discourage you, but you have to keep moving forward in what God has said to you. I think the enemy will come and try and convince us that we have missed out on something or that maybe we heard God wrong. This is why it's so important to stay connected through prayer and know what God has said. But I love Nehemiah's response in verse 12. He said, I realized that God had not spoken to him. I realized this was not from God. Nehemiah knew very clearly what God had asked him to do. So when come, someone came to him, even saying, I think this is what God has for you, he had enough of his grounding in the truth of what God had said to him that he was not distracted by someone else's opinion. He was able to look at that and go, you know what? I realized that that did not come from God. That wasn't. God had not spoken to him. He was trying to distract me. 
If the things that others are saying to you are not lining up to what God has said into you, you need to just move on. I'm going to say that again. If the things that other people are saying to you are not lining up with the things that God has said to you, it's okay to go, thank you for your opinion, and move on. Because you have to know what God is asking of you. So Nehemiah faced distraction. He faced deception. And lastly, he faced discouragement. And this can be one of the even hardest things. Uh, Let's go back up to verse chapter 4. It says in verse chapter 4, Four times they sent the same message. And each time I gave the same reply. The fifth time, Sanballat's servant came with an open letter in his hand, and this is what it said. There is a rumor among the surrounding nations, and Geshem tells me that it's true that you and the Jews are planning to rebel, and that is why you're rebuilding the wall. According to his reports, you plan to be their king. He also reports that you have appointed prophets in Jerusalem to proclaim about you, look, there is a king in Judah. You can be very sure that this report will get back to the king. So I suggest that you come and talk it over with me. I replied, there is no truth to any part of your story. You are making up the whole thing. They were just trying to intimidate us, imagining that they could discourage us and stop the work. So I continued the work with even greater determination. So after they had come at him with swords, after they had come with him trying to knock down the wall, then they tried to lure him away. Then they tried to get him, the God says, you should come lock yourself in the temple and stop working. Okay, so they've tried all of these things. This is what they do. They come to him with a letter filled with rumors. They come to him with a letter and say, hey, I just want you to know this is the word on the street. Word on the street is this is all about you. You're just trying to become king. Even though you're rebuilding this, we all know that you just simply want to be the new king over Jerusalem. So we're letting word, you know, just so you know, the rumors, this is what people are saying is your motivation. Just so you know, that's what's out there. So I just wanted to know if maybe you wanted to do just something about that. Maybe you should slow down a little bit. You know, this is the word. I just find that so amazing. It literally says there's a rumor out there, right? They literally come to him trying to point out all the places where other people are talking about his work. They are trying to discredit them. He says, everyone is saying you're doing this out of selfish ambition. This is all about you. This, is, this isn't from God. You're wanting to rebuild this city so that you can rule over it, and we all know it. And word is out. Everyone knows you just want to be king. I am so impressed with Nehemiah that he doesn't take this bait. I'm impressed because if I'm really honest, I think if it was me and someone comes to me, this is probably the place that I go, all right, I'm out. I'm out you know what? Fine. You come at me with swords. Great. I get a little stubborn. I get a little feisty. You're not going to stop me. You try and distract me. I can dig my heels in. But you come to me and say, this is what everybody else is saying about you right now. Ah, that's when I I probably go, oh, really? I I might step away from the work just long enough to go and clarify my position with everybody. I might step away from the work just to make sure that everybody understands. No, no, no. Okay. I just want to make it clear this is what God said. I know you, this is what they're saying. This isn't true. I might get distracted by the need to kind of defend myself. Everybody's talking 
is one of the worst things that you could say to me, and maybe it is for you. In that moment, I, I might be convinced to stop working so I could explain myself. I might leave the work to just defend my honor and shut down everybody else's and shut down the rumor mill. Or here's the biggest thing. I might just become hurt by the idea that someone would misunderstand me and misinterpret my intentions and simply decide, maybe it's just not worth it. And can you imagine 50 days into this, the guy's been working all day, all night. He's tired. He's been leading people. He's been fighting against opposition. And now they're coming and saying, man, everybody's been talking about what you're doing. I don't know. They kind of think that maybe you are, this is all about you. I think at that point, when you're already tired, that's where I kind of go fetal position. Like, fine, everyone's mean. Forget it. I'm not going to work anymore. But I love Nehemiah's response. He did not take the bait. Look at it in verse 8. He said, I replied, hey, there is no truth to any part of your story. You are making up the whole thing. They were trying to intimidate us, imagining that they could discourage us and stop the work. So I continued to work with even greater determination. Isn't that great? I love that he just says, hold on. That's not true. Because I know for a lot of us, the fact that someone would say something or misinterpret us or, or even the idea that people are out there talking about what we're doing and having opinions about it, that can just almost shut us down and paralyze us and think, well, but, but no. And I love that Nehemiah, this, he's kind of got a little Jeff Kerr in there. Jeff Kerr is a little bit more like that. Hey, what you're saying, there's no truth to this. What you're saying, this is not true. And I think for some of us, in the face of opposition, when people are, people are coming to you, I didn't want to say anything, but some of the people were talking. I'm not really sure. I've noticed kind of some of the things going on in your family. Some of us were really wondering what's going on. You ever had that and it, comes, it seems so nice? It seems so nice and it's like daggers going into your heart. And I love that he had the spiritual fortitude to look and go, there is no truth to what you're saying. No, I know that there's no truth to what you're saying. It doesn't matter what rumors you say. I am not going to be distracted from finishing my work. And so Nehemiah fought back every attack of his enemies with one simple thing, and we saw it right at the end of that verse, determination. He just was determined to get this thing rebuilt. He was determined that he wasn't going to move aside. It didn't matter what other people said. It didn't matter what other people thought. It didn't matter how long it took or how many setbacks he had. Nehemiah had his orders from the Lord, and nothing was going to stop him from rebuilding. No matter what he faced, no matter how people tried to lure him aside, he stopped and said, this is what I'm doing right now. And until this work is completed, I will stay at my post, and I will not be distracted. So I want to ask you again, go back to that question that Jeff asked us on week one of this series. What is God rebuilding in you? What is the thing that God wants you to start putting brick by brick in rebuilding in your life? What is the work he's put in your hands? Where is he asking you to invest your time and your energy, and your resources. What is he asking you to rebuild? Whatever that thing is, you have got to dig your heels in, in determination to get the work completed no matter what. 
no matter what setbacks come your way, no matter how easily people try and pull you aside, no matter how tired you are of the work, no, no matter how much it looks so much more fun to start something new, you have got to determine, I am going to complete this work. Maybe you got started. Maybe you kind of dove in a little bit. You survived that initial onslaught of in-your-face opposition when it seemed like it was right in your face. But now that adrenaline is waning, the inspiration and excitement has begun to wither, and you are walking in the day in and day out of rebuilding. And that's just plain old determination. There's nothing fun about it anymore. You just have to be resolved to stay at your post And maybe you've been tempted to become distracted and just move on to something different. And God is saying, no, 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 stay at it. I have work for you to rebuild. Maybe you have people in your life who are trying to convince you that you did not hear what God has said to you. Now, we all need godly spiritual advisors. Oh, my goodness, I have people in my world that I trust and I go to for godly wisdom. But you have to make sure that... that you are going to God, you are seeking the scriptures, you are getting wise counsel. I love that Nehemiah didn't just discount him. He said, I thought about it, and I realized that his instructions were not coming from God. So who are you going to for counsel? Are they giving you wise counsel that is affirming what God is saying in your heart? Maybe it's not another person that is discouraging you, but maybe the enemy is just whispering in your ear, did God really say that? Is that, are you sure? Maybe God, maybe you heard wrong. If that was really God, it would have been smoother. You wouldn't have had all that opposition. I mean, when, if God had said it, then there shouldn't have been any fighting you, right? Sometimes we think that, well, that's not the truth. It was a plan from God, and there was tons of opposition. And so maybe inside you've just become a little distracted, and the enemy is trying to deceive you into saying, that wasn't really God. And you have to stop and say, no, no, no. You know, the word says, my sheep know my voice. We know when it's him talking to us. Grow in the confidence in your ability to hear from God. Maybe you started out with so much excitement, but now you're just feeling discouraged. And you're not sure you've got the energy left to invest one more minute in this thing. You're thinking, I don't know. I don't know if I've got the energy to do one more minute. Do not give up. Do not lose heart. Do not get distracted. This week I went to visit my grandpa in the hospital. Um, He's 95. A lot of times he's here, but he's been in the hospital for the last few days and just went to a rehab facility. So I went to visit him the other day, and he's so sweet, and he's always been one of my biggest encouragers. And so I walked in, and I... I was having one of those days that I was feeling like like Nehemiah, like everything on every side was kind of like, oh, no, well, that's not going to work out or that's not working. And I was just, I was feeling discouraged. I was feeling like, Lord, why has there been so much opposition to all of these things? And I'm trying to rebuild this. And I was just feeling discouraged. And as soon as I got there, I started talking to him. And I was leaning over his bed, and he said, how are you? And I said, ah, I'm a little discouraged today. And he grabbed my, hand, my face in his hands. And he said, you know who has all the power, and you know who's in control. And he said to me, so you keep knocking until your knuckles are bloody. (laughs) And I just, then I was a total mess. Because someone who's lived life long enough, walked through a lot of things in his life, ups and downs, heartache, determination, 
plowed through doors that other people would have said, keep those things shut. That wisdom to look and say, you just keep going. You keep knocking until your knuckles are bloody. You do not give up because it gets hard. And today, some of you need to hear that. Do not give up. I know you might, it might feel like everyone is against you. I know it might feel like every door has closed in front of you. I know it might seem like you have been fighting the same battle in your home over and over again. And as soon as that little thing shows up again, you keep thinking, oh, great. We're right back to where we were. I thought we had built some, I thought we had built some walls. <laughs> we're, we're back to rubble again. And the enemy likes to come and just say, why are you even still working on this? Just give up and move on. And I love the determination that we learn from Nehemiah. I am engaged in a great work, and I will stay at my post until it is done. I want to close with a scripture in 2 Thessalonians today. That 2 Thessalonians 1.11 says this, So we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things that your faith has prompted you to do. Listen to that second part. May he give you all the power to accomplish, to finish, to get it done. All the good things that your faith prompts you to do. Those things that God has put in your heart to rebuild. May God give you the power to see it through and to not give up. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much that you rebuild broken things. Lord, there's no doubt about it. You don't leave us sitting in rubble. You come and you rebuild, and you have a plan for each of us. Lord, you have places in our hearts that you want to rebuild, places that have felt like broken down walls for a long time. Lord, maybe it is a marriage in this place that feels like a pile of rubble. Maybe it's something with kids that we've been watching as parents. We've been walking our kid, watching our kids struggle season after season, and we're so tired, Lord, and not knowing how to help. And we're feeling overwhelmed. And today, Father, you are coming and you are saying, do not give up. Do not get distracted. Stay at the post. This is the good work I've given you to do. Do not give up. Lord, maybe there are people here today that there's a dream you've put on their heart to do something great for you. Lord, a dream that you have put on their heart. Maybe it's a business they wanted to start. Maybe it's a, a ministry they wanted to engage in. Maybe it's a dream to try something new, to start a new career, whatever that might be, Lord. I pray today that you would silence any lie of the enemy that would come to bring discouragement and distraction. And that, Lord, instead, you would reignite the fire inside. Lord, give us the determination to keep putting one foot in front of the other, even when it feels like we've been working for a really long time. Lord, I pray that there would be people who would finish the work. Lord, we know a lot of people don't finish. They start really strong, and then they give up. Father, we do not want to be those people. We want to keep our hands on the plow of what you've asked us to sow. So I pray today, Lord, that faith would rise up where doubt has begun to creep in. Lord, that belief would come and fill the places where unbelief has started to cloud decision-making. 
I pray, Lord, for hope to rise up in the place that feels like this, is, this thing is hopeless. Lord, I pray today that we would know that if you have called us, if our faith has prompted you to call us to a good work, then you will give us the grace to accomplish it. So I pray today, Lord, that you would help us to keep our eyes on you and keep working towards the thing that you have put on our heart to rebuild. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Praying.